Bill, new voice, new blood, new we finally, show. We finally got rid of Godfrey. Out with the old, in with the new. <laughs> He's been worried uh, about this for years. He's He knows you're coming for him. Oh, absolutely. I've, I've waited a long time to say this. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the millions listening at home, this is podcast ain't play nobody, college football marriage of numbers and words. He's the robot Bill Connolly. I am the much younger and much better looking version of yeah. Stephen Godfrey, Richard yeah. Johnson, SB Nation's own live and in living color. Yeah, so Godfrey uh, is in uh, is taking a little family time this week. He's on a, a little mini vacation, uh, and so I got yeah, I got the better the better version of him anyway. So no nobody's going to complain. Uh, yes, this is your Thursday um, season preview or week preview tasting menu show. Um, and I figured what we could do here, since Richard is both host and guest, uh, first I'd like to welcome our guest for the show, uh, Richard Johnson. It's good to be back. Yeah, I was about to say, this probably puts you in the lead, I would think, at least until the next time Alex and Morgan are on. Um, <laughs> I, I think this puts you in the lead as far as uh, appearances that uh, by somebody other than me or Godfrey. So congrats. Yeah, you, uh, you made the right choice. <laughs> well, so I, I figured let's, let's keep it broad here. So we're, we're halfway through the season. And here, you know, we're a few weeks from recycling my November is here piece. And that's when, it, it, when, you know, that's when we remember everything that actually happened during the season anyway. So we're not quite there yet, but we are starting to actually play. I don't even know if, if there are consequences yet, but we're starting to, we're, this, we're getting there. We're getting there. This is the thing I was, this is the thing I was actually going to say to you. And I don't know if it's more of a gut feeling for me, but I have felt that this year, maybe more than any or definitely more than years past it has seemed that september was just absolute nothing burger <laughs> right and most of october has been that way similarly obviously ohio state and penn state was a different story but it has seemed like the season up to this point leading up to the playoff and i'm gonna rail against this real quick <laughs> i think it's because of the playoff that it has re- their playoff rankings the weekly yeah. roll et cetera, et cetera. it has really made the first Definitely the first four or five weeks, but even the first six, seven, eight weeks seem like just not really anything of consequence or anything to take away from. Yeah, and I, you know, it's college football, so there are always going to be weird happenings. There are always going to be uh, fun games to watch. So it's never, it's never, it's not like you know this, the first six weeks here have just been so boring. There, there have been weird things, and and there's always something to follow. Even last week, last week was really, if you list it out, one of the most like uneventful October Saturdays you're ever going to see. Uh, but we still had Texas, Oklahoma. Uh, we still had plenty to watch at night. We still had, uh, you know, grumble, grumble. We still had these the, the strange as hell South Carolina, Missouri game. Um, there are still things that happen each week that you can kind of be entertained by. But you're right. I mean, well, let's put it this way. Uh, preseason uh, AP top 20, or top like six uh, or five, we'll say, of uh, this coming season. Number one, Alabama. Uh, they're number one now. Number two, Clemson. They are all the way to what? Three, four, three or four. Uh, number <laughs> I'm, three. I'm, I have S and P pulled up right now. I'm looking. Well, because you're because you're good at your job, of course. Yeah, um, number number three, Georgia, who is now number two. 
Uh, four was Wisconsin, which was weird to begin with. I mean, they were they were only ahead of Ohio State, I think, because of all the August because of the August nonsense that Ohio State put itself through. Because um, otherwise, Ohio State probably would have been number one or number two. But Ohio State was number five. So basically, the current top four were all in the preseason top five. And uh, we've yeah, known- and I, I don't think anybody like we didn't come into this season saying oh somebody in the top four has you know a glaring weakness if any if any i have always i have said honestly since january that georgia's probably the weakest in that kind of core four we all think Mm -hmm. and know that was always going to be there etc um i had oklahoma in there i called it a core five or a top five or whatever because i thought oklahoma was going to be that good um but i thought georgia was the weakest link there i still think georgia is going to lose a game, a game to a, a legitimate opponent, uh, whether it's the SEC championship game, whether it's Auburn, whatever. And then I think Georgia's also going to lose a dumb game. I think Georgia's going <laughs> to lost in them. Uh, you know, you saw it a little bit about against Tennessee before they really shut the door in that game. Georgia's got a dumb loss in there, and we'll see. I think we'll see it coming down the stretch last, or over the last six weeks. Well, and, and I mean, over the next four games in five weeks, um, I don't even know if it would qualify as a dumb loss if they lost one of them. But basically. From an S&P standpoint, I mean, S&P likes Georgia just fine, number three overall. Um, but it gives them only, I believe, uh, I, I punched it out this morning, I think a 29% chance of going 4-0 and over the next four games. Uh, you know, 70% chance at LSU, 73% against Florida, 73% at Kentucky, 79% against Auburn at home. Um, I mean, obviously, they're not going to lose to UMass. They're probably not going to lose to Georgia Tech. Although, if we're talking stupid losses, that would be amazing. Oh, yeah, um, that would be incredible. Like, somehow, Paul Johnson say, keeps decides to stay instead of retiring or whatever because he beat Georgia. Um, no, but no, no, the best part about it would be lame duck Paul Johnson. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's already resigned or been fired, and then they, then they uh, beat Georgia. Uh, but no, like obviously if a loss is going to happen, it'll probably happen in the next four games. And it really, there's no specific game there. that would be a dramatic surprise. Auburn at this point, I mean, they've been sketchy enough offensively that it would be a little bit of a surprise, I guess. But, um, well, I mean, Kentucky's the same way. They, they both have great defenses and no offense. Um, but no, like I, I, I do think this is Georgia has, uh, the, the way I was putting it, like, I, I want to call them lucky, but I don't want to say, like, the luck is the only reason they're 6-0. and They're 6-0 they're and because they're really good. Um, but, no, they, they did – they started the South Carolina game by with a pick six off a of dude's shoulder pads. They got, you know, as we've talked about on this show before, the Missouri game with the weird forward progress fumble and the field goal that sure seemed good but wasn't, and then he, the dropped touchdown at the goal line. Like, basically, that was a game that if they get those bad breaks instead of good breaks, they, they – maybe lose and if they get no breaks at all they win by a touchdown or so but they still win yeah uh, this still is beat. the thing I, I say this about georgia in the same way that i say about other elite teams or other great teams that don't look dominant is i say they're playing with their food and yeah. clemson last week clemson stopped playing with their food right alabama uh, has not played with their food all season georgia keeps playing with their food yeah. and it will bite them coming down the stretch i think I, I was impressed with the Vanderbilt. I mean, I, I you know Vanderbilt's obviously um, not not amazing or anything, but they didn't really mess around all that much in that game. That was the first time because I mean, even against Tennessee, yeah, they were 
it was closer than it should have been, and they recovered all five fumbles in the game. So that really could have been a, a not not a loss, but a much different result than a twenty six point win. But regardless, yeah, like you can play with your food as, but as long as you're ready to be better when it's time to be better. So now, if um, you know they whatever their issues have been, they've been extremely bend don't break on on defense more than I thought. Their linebackers have been. Um, you know, Notre, not excuse me, Natrez Patrick has made some plays. Uh, DeAndre Walker has made some plays, but um, you know, the, it, it hasn't been an amazing linebacking core. They've been they've been asking a couple freshmen and or a couple sophomores and a freshman and Tyson Campbell to play quite a bit. If they're ready to kind of like say, okay, our season truly begins now. It's time to get our you know, it's time to hit another gear. If they do, then it doesn't matter how they did it the first six weeks. I mean, Clemson Clemson has made a living out of basically playing of of just going in third gear until they actually have to kick it up and then kicking it up um so yeah they could they could absolutely be fine and they could they could uh hit the gas here at any moment they just yeah i think of the four they've been just the the least impressive which is a strange thing to say about a team that's averaging like 30 point wins or whatever yeah and yeah and the the team that's still probably going to win the sec east going away by early november i think yes kentucky whatever i know um, but yeah, it, and I think that's kind of the state of things. I think that <laughs> there is one dominant team in college football. There is another team that I'm pretty sure can beat them in Ohio State. Um, I don't know if Clemson can beat. I don't know if I can sit here and say with confidence that I think Clemson can beat Alabama. I think right. Ohio State can beat Alabama. I don't know. I don't know if Clemson can beat Alabama. Yeah, that's probably a good way. And I mean, Ohio State is. Um... The, their their propensity for giving up big pass plays could mean they lose fifty two to sixteen against Alabama, but uh, but they do have the probably more ups like on both sides of the ball. They probably have the most upside um, combined with experience. Like they probably have the best combination there to to hit the same to hit well, like to, to where their fifth gear is at least reasonably close to Alabama's. Alabama is a, a, like. It was. I think it benefited us this week too uh, that Godfrey and I pre-recorded on Sunday because if we had recorded on Tuesday, the entire show, hey, we would have talked about Mike Stoops. Um, but we would have spent a, g- a good portion of the show just me marveling at the desperate "ain't played nobody" chorus, uh, trying as hard as they can to pretend like Alabama isn't Alabama. Um, yeah, but it's are- just it's you're really straining. You are really, really straining if you're trying to say that this Alabama team uh, that ain't it. Like, that just ain't it. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, even – like, there are a couple things here that we don't know the answers to yet, um, and but there are answers that Alabama always has, you know, pretty good answers for. Number one is, like, we haven't seen anybody even test them enough to make them go to, like, plan B on offense. Uh, I mean, the running backs are are averaging plenty of carries a game, but it's because they're basically just running the entire second half. Yeah. but we haven't even seen somebody stop the pass to the point where they have to lean on the run a little bit. But saying, like, okay, to beat Alabama, the first step is make them run the ball. That seems yeah, exactly. crazy. <laughs> uh, because, I mean, like, yeah, you're just sitting there like, okay, well, fine. Now we'll play the card where Najee Harris and Damian Harris combined for 25 carries and 225 yards. Um, I, I we- also wonder if – the other thing is, okay, so if we're talking about the the kind of three ways – that Alabama can beat you, which is the perfect two a game being number one. Not not necessarily eight hundred yards passing, but an efficient right fourteen for sixteen with four touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, 
275, you're done. It's over by the, you know, by middle of the third quarter. Yeah. That's way, that's way number one. Way number two is to kind of get them in the muck, which is kind of like what Mississippi State was able to do last year. Yeah. And kind of just kind of muddy it up and just kind of, you know, mess with them. And then obviously it's what you're talking about, which is the Alabama run game. Way number three is the most intriguing way uh, that I think I would, I want to see Alabama play, which is the shootout. Because right. Alabama yeah. is susceptible to big plays, which, again, is hilarious to say because <laughs> broadly they aren't, right. but they are, which if that makes sense. So if you get Alabama in a shootout and you want to make this a, a 2014, I believe, Iron Bowl that was like in the 40s mm-hmm. with like 600 yards of offense on each side, all right, Alabama can play that game. Yeah. Very, very effectively. And I cannot wait until someone makes them do it. I really want someone to make them do it. I don't know if anybody can, but I want to see Tua throwing 55 times. <laughs> see how that works. Yeah, and, and that's – like that's because it's possible this year because right now they are 18th in defensive S&P Plus, which, which would be their worst defensive ranking. Their first time out of like the top six since 2007 – um, but I, it's one of those like, you know, hey, stats don't tell the whole story. Let me, I'll, you know, I, I get to say that for once because like I, I am, they haven't had to play a close game. We don't know how they respond when they actually, when they can't, when, you know, because right now, for all we know, he's experimenting with tactics. You know, he's trying as hard as he can to make, you know, our second string defense sure stinks when we're up 50. Like he's trying to make that a thing and complain about that after the game and whatnot. Um, but like maybe when asked to respond, the run game and the defense will be same old Alabama run game and defense. It's just, they haven't had to be yet. And that's mortifying. Like they have, they've been as dominant as they have been. And they've got like two more cards to play that they just haven't had to, to, to lay down yet. And, um, you know, ain't played nobody, by the way, all that, all that yelling that I got to do on Twitter on Monday, I felt like the the t- the people I felt worse about uh, in that whole situation was it was like everybody associated with Texas A and M because like to to believe in the ain't played nobody thing you got to believe that Texas A and M stinks uh, the team that <laughs> the, the team that almost beat Clemson stinks um, the like the team that is seventeenth in S and P plus stinks because Alabama made them look bad um, and it's just it's such a tenuous thing but yeah to, to compare them like just because. Um, you know, they also played – well, first of all, Louisville has like was top 10 two years ago. Uh, Arkansas State has at least been the class of the Sun Belt. Ole Miss, Texas A&M, and Arkansas are SEC opponents. Like really the only typically truly bad team they played is Louisiana Lafayette, um, which, I mean, everybody has played at least one typically truly bad team at this point. And it, yeah, I it love is, how- I love how it's going to get to the end of the season and everyone's going to say, well, Notre Dame doesn't have 13 data points, da 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 Okay, Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia play FCS teams. Right. So what do you want? Yeah, no, it is – that is, I, uh, that like I'm sort of looking forward to that scenario and sort of not like I, again somebody's gonna lose so an undefeated Notre Dame team's gonna be fine and an 11 and one Notre Dame team's probably gonna be fine, um, but there is a scenario on the table where they um, like fall from fourth to fifth because of somebody playing in the conference title game or something and that's uh that is a world I want to like it, like an Earth two just kind of like you just go over for a second and witness it and then go back to real like your own reality because you don't want to you don't want to live it for too long. Uh, but that would be fascinating. Oh, it would be hilarious. We are, I, I will say this, we're talking way too much about the big boys right now. Uh-huh. I am looking at the S&P rankings 
and I see the Appalachian State Mountaineers number twelve. I did not listen to the to the to the review show on Sunday. What is the explanation for Appalachian State well, number twelve? We didn't uh, we didn't really talk about them on Saturday or on Sunday because they didn't play on Saturday, so we kind of skipped. Oh, they played on Tuesday. You're right. Okay. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, let's put it this way: picture Ohio State with the following results: um, losing at Penn State in overtime, which almost happened. Um, beating Charlotte 45 to nine, beating Gardner Webb 72 to seven, beating South Alabama 52 to seven. Now that's a weak schedule clearly after Penn state. Um, but if Ohio state produced exactly those results, we would look at them as Ohio state results. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and then of course, you know, they you know, even at 12th, they're pro- projected to go to Arkansas state and win by 17 and then win by 26. They're not going to fall this week in the rankings or if they do not very much. <clears throat> I mean, they, yeah, God, they ran all over yeah. that Arkansas State team. I mean, jeez. Yeah, I mean, and they took their time. That's one thing Appalachian State's pretty good at. Like, okay, that's fine. We don't have to be up 21 nothing after the first quarter. We're going to get you, though. Um, and they've just – they have played – like, I can justify this. I, 12th is pretty high. Like, I would I would prefer, like, 17th or something. Um, but, like, on paper, you know, they've played four games, and three of them have been against very, very bad teams. Um, but they've treated those teams like terrible teams, and they almost won at Penn State. Uh, like, they've played a real – they've played a top-10 team and almost beat them. And, uh, like, if it was in Boone, you could probably say that they would have won. Like, flip that home field, and maybe they win that game against a team that just barely lost to Ohio State, one of the one of the four invincibles. So the PA, look, I'm just gonna say it right now. The uh the PAPN national championship game is looking like November 24th. Troy, Troy. Appalachian State. That one is going to be a belter. Because and b- besides that, and I, I think it was Dan Wolken of the USA Today who made this point. Scott Statterfield hired Jimmy Sexton earlier this season. <laughs> like Jimmy Sex or uh, Scott Satterfield is going to have some buzz around him as this season gets, you know, as we get into the latter stages of the season, especially if they stay as a one loss or maybe a two loss team. So you've got the two, those teams with Neil Brown, who is everybody's group of five darling mm-hmm. uh, to get a better job. That's going to be a really intriguing matchup at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, I mean, um, S&P doesn't think so. S&P thinks uh, <laughs> that uh, App State wins easily, but um but no, I mean, that is going to be – what will be interesting there is uh, it really will be kind of the rumor bowl too. Um, yeah. And, Cause and we, be, yeah, because I mean, one or, one or both of them may be earmarked into a, another job by then. Yeah, no, it's, it is going to be – Scott Satterfield, by the way, is just a fascinating resume. Um, like mostly just – it's all App State. He played for, for Jerry Moore, uh, 91 to 95, or 92 to 95. Started like two and a half years there for them. Um, came in 98, started his coaching career at App State. Played – or coached at App State for over 10 years. And then he jumps over in 2009. Uh, he jumps over to Toledo uh, to, to coach for Tim Beckman for a year. But then he goes to Mario Cristobal's staff for two years at FIU. Two of like the – like wait, 10, 11. Are those the two – good yeah those, those are the two are, bowl teams. those, those, bowl those man, are the two right? fiu bowl teams yeah um so he he and ty hilton leave and then they fall to three and nine um but like that's his that's basically his only non-app state experience i've been wondering if that has hurt him a little bit just being like having so much at one school 
But uh, at some point, somebody's going to need to take the chance because he's obviously just a really uh, – well, let's put it this way. Because of the, his work, we forget that App State, when they made the jump, was bad. Like they fell yeah. apart at the end of the Jerry Moore era. He comes in and goes 4-8 and eight in FCS – uh, and then they make the jump to FBS, and he goes seven and five, eleven and two, ten and three, nine and four, and now he's four and one. Um, like they, that could have been a disaster. Like they, they, they completely mistimed their jump, and he still made it work. And they, to be the funny thing about that is they go eleven and two, and I think his second year they go eleven and two and don't win the league. Oh, that's right. Yeah, like they go eleven and two and finish second. They go seven and one in the conference. Yeah. No. And I mean. And then Georgia Southern falls apart or whatever, but, um, or no, was that, yeah, that was, was that Southern or was that, uh, Arkansas State? I think it might've been Arkansas State. It might've been that year where they were like, Oh, and four. And then they won out. But, um, but no, like they've, uh, they're, they've won 30 games in, in three years. They're four and one. They're well on their way to like another nine or 10 wins this or 10 or 11 wins this year. Um, yeah, they're they're really good, and, and 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 he's been there long enough to show that he can maintain a program. It's not like a two year jump kind of thing. I think he's proven his program building cloud. I'm just really curious what kind of jobs like when you only have App State or mid major quote unquote uh, experience. Who 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 takes a serious look at you? Obviously, Jimmy Sexton's going to help in that regard. Well, I wonder if the Sexton fact the Sexton factor is going to make. Whatever happens at North Carolina this year, interesting. So North Carolina's yeah. one and three already. Let's say that really tanks. We're looking at a three and nine at North Carolina, four and eight. What happens then? Because you've got Sexton in his corner. You've got him being a North Carolina native, a North Carolina guy, da 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 da, uh, with this pedigree, all this kind of thing, and North Carolina being this thing that everybody thinks is a sleeping giant in that state. Yeah. You know what happens then? That is what I'm very interested in. Uh, this crucible of kind of coaching uh, coaching cycle chaos could happen in North Carolina this year. Yeah, because who else is going to – I mean, Kansas is going to open, obviously. Um, Rutgers – I would rather stay at App State and go to Kansas. Yeah, because, well, I mean, that, that is kind of a – like he knows how to handle like lower budget and, and all that and just put together a sound team – but especially if you're going to go out and hire Jimmy Sexton as your agent, you probably have grander designs than that. Um, but I mean, Kansas is going to open. <clears throat> Rutgers might open at this point. I'm kind of like he's he's gone full on youth movement, and that might buy him some time. But they're so bad this year, <clears throat> and it's year three. Um, UNC is going to open. Uh, maybe, well, maybe uh, obviously um, they've looked at least better now that they've uh, you know as they've gone along they look a hair better uh louisville is certainly on the table but you figure jeff brahm's gonna get the first shot at that one what yeah i mean they're always unexpected the brahm thing is one of those things where i'm like i'm kind of like don't and you guys talked about this on the earlier the earlier show this week the the louisville thing is like just don't overthink it just please don't overthink it. right Do, do nebraska scott frost just like make make the obvious choice um but who, like, I mean, Auburn's not going to open. Um, I'm just going through some of the people that I've heard being on the hot, or pretend, at least pretending to be on the hot seat. Love That's the other thing. The hot seat, the, the other thing about this early part of the season, the hot seat hasn't turned on yet. Mm-mm. No, I mean, those, uh, are, those have been obvious ones. But otherwise, like, I mean, Georgia Tech is obviously just floating out there. We don't know what's going to happen there. Um, I, yeah, I, but, like, the, the, you know, the, the ones that we think are the ones that we think. Rutgers, UConn, those types of teams are just awful. Man, yeah, I don't know what other – and, I mean, UConn's not even P – well, they're P6, of course. 
but um, but the, but yeah, they're not P five, and and right now there have been so many changes over the last couple of years. There's always an unexpected domino effect. Somebody going when Lincoln Riley becomes the Dallas Cowboys head coach, uh, that'll <laughs> you know set off a a weird uh, set of, of events or whatever. But what about in terms of, what about Pitt? Yeah, well, about, when they beat Notre Dame this weekend, that'll you know. Yeah, when they beat Notre Dame, that'll be interesting. Also, Vanderbilt. I wonder if Derek Mason has yeah. shown the proof of concept, you know, to, to buy himself another year. Yeah. Because, again, Vanderbilt is different. Vanderbilt is such a weird – like, they have – you know, I have my, you know, it's not who you play, it's how you play. Uh, and, and I think we, we always discount results against mid-majors too much. <clears throat> like just if you dominate teams that should be dominated, that says something. But there are always exceptions. Uh, and Vanderbilt has very consistently become one of those exceptions. Like they always dominate Middle Tennessee, even though Middle Tennessee will then turn around and handle their business against or handle their own uh, <clears throat> against other uh, decent teams. Uh, they beat Western Kentucky a couple times. Like they played mid majors, good mid majors, and won. Um, they beat Kansas State last year, but it, it really almost seems like there is some sort of mental thing that happens when they start playing. It, maybe it's style. Maybe it's like the, if they can if they can out muscle you, uh, if they, or if they can out kind of just outman you, then they're okay, and they can't outman man anybody in the SEC. But they have just. Like I saw some somebody flash something a couple of weeks ago about how they hadn't covered in SEC play in like a year and a half or something. Um, <laughs> like that's like it's, something happens. Like they they are not a, a who you play versus how you play team. They play one way against mid majors and they play a completely different way against the SEC. Ooh, Bill, I got one for you. This may be this may be more of a slam dunk than you think, but I got one for you right now. Okay, Saban or. Huh. ACC firings this year. ACC. Uh, I'm looking at the. I'm looking at like BC, <clears throat> Wake, Georgia Tech, UNC, uh, Pitt. No, give me give me Saban. Um, actually, I, yeah, I don't think BC makes a change. I think they probably win enough, uh, even though they're clearly not as good as we thought they'd be a month ago. Um, Wake, I, like he no wait no 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 you you can't. Um, I mean they've Fall got offense. A, yeah, cool, cool. they've been so, like they were so well coached the last couple of years. They their quarterback situation is weird, and um, I mean they still t- got at least a little time to rally here. <clears throat> but um, so no, I would say Louisville and Georgia Tech are the only ones. Uh, let's see, yeah, <clears throat> I would say Louisville and Georgia Tech are the only ones I would count on, just because I can't I can't wrap my head around Pitt just yet. Uh, what the expectations are uh, because uh, he has such a weird resume at this point, but. I- uh, I want to. I think I want to take. I think I'm going to take the ACC. Um, at BC, I, just based on kind of what I know about Boston College and and the way I think that program wants to go, I think they want to not necessarily put more investment into football. But well, I guess that's the. I guess that's the word. They want to maybe invest more in football. They want to put more resources into football. They want to be more of kind of a football school. Um, than they have been prior. And I think they want success in football. The brass there want success in football, not just middling. And well, seven and five is middling. And so if you want to take a pretty radical gamble, gamble and take a step forward from uh, Steve Adazio. That never works, yeah, though. Yeah. That never works. I'm not saying they won't do it because people do that, but it never works. Um, you know, so if, if you want to take a step forward from seven and five – you know, who knows? Um, Louisville, I think Louisville is going to – I think Louisville is going to 
burn. I like I that is that is gonna get ugly. <laughs> yeah, like really, really. And ugly. I, I like I mean, under normal circumstances, I would be pushing back hard on that because he did so well the last few years. Uh, and that's usually like don't don't fire a coach after one bad year, but it is kind of like um, the chain of events that have led to this bad year, um, and him seemingly not being able to hire any assistants who like uh, of any worth, uh, especially on defense, you know things like that, and just him, you know, I guess just being Bobby Petrino, like you you got to win I, big if you're going to be Bobby Petrino. I think if I'm Louisville, I think you need this. I think if I'm Louisville, if I'm the brass at Louisville, I want to really reset this thing. I mean, George is gone. <laughs> Papa John is gone. Papa John's name is yeah. off the stadium. You got a brand new expansion in that end zone. You're, you know, you're, you're out of the Lamar Jackson era, which is a guy that's larger than life. You've got to kind of find a way. I think, God, I think Bobby Petrino is a really good offensive coach. He is doing everything he can to prove me wrong in that assumption yeah. this year. But I do think Bobby Petrino can still coach. But I think that I, I would just not be surprised yeah. if the amount of friction at yeah. Louisville ends up causing Petrino to be out. Just, hey, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Let's reset this thing and go anew with the son of the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, no, I would, I would agree. I do think that, that um, under normal circumstances I would push back. But it is, it, is, it is weird enough. And, I mean, they unless they beat Wake in two weeks or three – uh, two and a half weeks um they might finish two and ten uh, I'm, so gonna, I'm gonna take the acc here because i see that i see georgia tech i see, me georgia tech is me wishing and hoping for georgia tech more than anything else right. see georgia tech's potential i see them continually not needing it um and then give me one of unc and Pitt. so i think i'm i'm putting chips on the table here but i think i'm gonna go acc here um, and this is, uh, this actually uh, segues into another question, uh, that I got from my friend, Justin, he's T- at TF gridiron on Twitter. Um, he said, so is Saban or still at two and a half? <laughs> and it is a very good question. Cause I think you just keep it at two and a half after this year. Right. I know. Like basically at this point we're, we're basically just like, uh, seeding the next two titles to Alabama as long as two is there. Um, and then like at that point, he probably does win at least one. It really is like, it's three and a half now. Um, in, in, in my head, at least I hadn't even thought about that, but it's kind of true. Like we, we said two to three more for him. We didn't expect, and, and again, all, all relevant disclaimers here, things change. It's only mid October. Uh, he hasn't won the national title this year yet, but this year is shaping up to be, uh, much more likely than before and it wasn't unlikely before so i yeah. like i i I, ju- I don't want to believe to beleaguer this point because i get it but like man when we sit back and really when he retires and we talk about what this decade plus has been yep. man 2009 2011 2012 2015 2017 probably 2018 one second away from it in 2016 like, man, I don't want to talk about it. I want to believe you the point. I don't want to go down that road. But, like, honestly, it's boring, and I get it. But, like, at some point, you got to sit down and look at what this thing is. And if you think it's bad for the sport or whatever, I don't give a damn. Man, yeah. it's just incredible. No, I mean, and, and in 2013, they're a kick six away from at least the title game. Um, like, that – 
you know, maybe Florida State wins that game. That was a really good Florida State team, but uh, but they're at least in the title game. And, and you have 2014, if they play Ohio State, like the Ohio State was the only team that was going to beat them that year. So, um, it, you know, they, it, basically the longevity has only been matched, the, the consistent longevity has only been matched by Bobby Bowden, and Bobby Bowden only won two titles. Um, He's the maybe, greatest coach ever. I really don't want to hear an argument. Yeah, so, I I mean, the, the, even at Alabama, like Bear came first. Bear will have always come first, but Bear also had some slumps. Uh, you know, he had to reinvent himself. Saban reinvented himself without ever falling out of the top five, pretty much. Um, oh, well, sorry, seventh after after they after the kick six in 2013, and they 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 uh, they get busted up by Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl. They only only finished seventh that year. They only finished tenth uh, in 2010. Uh, after uh, the Auburn, after South Carolina and Auburn and all that, but uh, no, they they are. This run has is unprecedented. You have to go back to whatever, like I don't know, Fielding Yost or something, to find something of this level for this long a period of time. And uh, he's done it in the era of eighty-five scholarships. He's done it. Uh, it, it no. Uh, he's done it in the, the era of, of of money at least being pretty well distributed to a few different programs, and he has been the master of everything. And now he's got the best offense in the country too, which is just mean. All right, that's way too much about Alabama. Move on. <laughs> well, we need to get to the tasty menu in a second, but I did want to ask you before we got started on that um, – just uh, as a little like so the storylines of the season obviously we've kind of just one of them is hey uh boring results but uh but there are still interesting like plots along the way and what for you uh the things that you've written so far this season uh what has been the most interesting thing to write what what has been the most kind of the most interesting plot to follow so far i um i i think we like like are we kind of not i don't i don't think we realize what kyla murray is doing <laughs> I don't, like people don't like we're not I don't know what it is but people people aren't talking enough about Kyle Murray and what he's doing in Oklahoma and I, I just I was able to write a thing um about Oklahoma and about Kyle Murray um I wrote it Red River Week which is hilarious because then they go out and lose P.A.P. and Jinx like you know a giant feature on Kyle Murray um but like Kyler Murray, I think, the, I think the biggest thing about Kyler Murray is we're not talking about Kyler Murray because he's not going to the NFL. Right. I think that we don't – there's no – NFL guy isn't talking about Kyler Murray because he's not going to the NFL, so he's kind of out of that purview. So I think he's kind of out of the national purview. This kid is so special in <laughs> that offense – yeah. He's, and I understand the, the, whatever it was that happened in College Station. Um, it was weird. It shouldn't have been that way. It should have been Adwater, instant other Heisman after Manziel. It, like, it, it, Kyler Murray and Kevin Sumlin should have been an African-American coach-head coach tandem that rode into the sunset <laughs> and set a paradigm for the rest of the sport, but mm-hmm. it just didn't happen for myriad reasons. Anyway, um, <laughs> what he is doing with Lincoln Riley, this schematic marriage of, of an arm, a leg, and, and a playbook and a play calling just brass ones that <laughs> Lincoln Riley has is so special. And, and when you break what – I, what I did with Kyler Murray 
And it's a story on SBNation.com, SNBNation.com, I should say. Of course. Um, is basically how Kyler Murray, the baseball player, he's the number nine pick in the draft, in the baseball draft by the A's, how Kyler Murray's baseball mechanics inform his football mechanics and vice versa. And the thing is, the, 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 the one-to-one translatable thing between playing quarterback and playing baseball is not throwing from the outfield. Kyler Murray's a center fielder now. He used to be an infielder. He's an outfielder now and was drafted as an outfielder, it's actually hitting. Um, and I got really if, – if you care about quarterback mechanics or baseball me- hitting mechanics, throwing mechanics, anything, re- like I encourage you to read the piece, which is a little bit baseless self-promotion, and a little bit – I just think you're going to find it really interesting because Kyler Murray, whether he knows it or not – and I wasn't able to talk to Kyler for this. Oklahoma didn't make him available, but I was able to talk to Lincoln Riley. Um, Kyler Murray – whether he knows it or not, Kyler Murray understands these tenets of kinetic linking and sequencing and how to use your body and get the most out of your body athletically. Uh, Kyler Murray is not a big guy. They list him at 5'10". The people that I've talked to that have stood next to Kyler Murray dispute that. <laughs> um, it's the amount of power he's able to generate out of his batting stance, a batting stance that Oklahoma gave him as a sophomore. They kind of changed the way he, he approaches at the plate. And then the, the amount of power he generates and just the, the ability to spin the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray is a guy. The ball looks different coming out of Kyler yeah. Murray's hand. It just does. Um, Kyler Murray is a guy who you could show – your buddy who never watches football or your mom or your sister or whoever, somebody who doesn't watch football, you can show them Kyler Murray against five other, you know, average level quarterbacks and the layman or the lay woman could look and say, wow, that kid looks pretty special. Like it just looks different. Yeah. It looks like everyone plays the game in slow motion whenever he's moving. It's, it's an incredible athletic ability and a gift that he has I'm kind of sad that he won't stay playing football because football is my passion and football is my love and the sport that I watch. You know, I'm not an A's fan. Maybe if he's going to the Rays, I'd be excited. Go Rays. <laughs> Just re-signed Kevin Cash going to the playoffs this year or next year. It was sure, ridiculous. Sure, he won sure, sure. And couldn't go to the playoffs this year. Anyway, um, I say that to say it is. I, I, it, it stinks that Kyler Murray's not staying in football. It stinks that Kyler Murray, um, you know, is, is prizing his, uh, his, his own safety and uh, some guaranteed money, uh, which is his right to go to the MLB. I wish he would stay in football so that he could do a little bit of what Patrick Mahomes is doing because I think he's got the potential to do that. You know what they should have in, in Major League Baseball to fix their divisions problem? Pods. Pods. Pod scheduling. I, I just assume it would work for other sports. It, like it would be so perfect for football. Anyway, um, no, I, it was, I caught myself the other day and it, it, I cracked myself up watching him play against Texas. Um, and by the way, yes, yes, they lost. I understand they lost. Um, gets a pretty good defense, 532 yards, uh, 9.2 yards per play. He was 19 for 26 for 304 yards passing. Uh, he also, uh, you know, rushed for a mere 110 yards and nine carries. Um, he was amazing. He is amazing. But it was funny during that game, 
I caught myself like, especially after last year, it's every year, but especially last year with both Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson. Um, like there is when I'm watching a really good college quarterback who isn't six five two thirty five. Like I immediately get defensive. Like I'm gonna have to defend him to people who just don't understand. Like <laughs> he's you know, ours. Of, like, he's ours. Because of the pro, yeah, he's ours, and and you just don't understand what you've got here. Although I think people are starting to figure out at the pro level what they've got in Baker Mayfield. Um, what. not having to go through that. Like I started just immediately defending him. Like, yeah, see, he's got a pretty strong arm. He's got to wait. I don't have to do any of this. He's not going to play pro football. I can just enjoy the hell out of this. And I just sat back and enjoyed it. They're never going to ruin him. Right. Right. We don't have to argue about him from January to May. He's, it's just going to, we just get to experience it. And it was very refreshing and relaxing. And I, you know, which I realize is a funny, is a weird thing for me, the NFL writer to say, but Noted uh, NFL writer Bill Collins. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. I wrote a big thing about the Giants this morning, and and have like I was playing with Sports Info Solutions data. I was ha- I was enjoying it. Like I really enjoyed writing the piece about Odell and Saquon. Hey, by the way, Saquon, who knew that he was a boomer bust running back? Yeah, um, imagine and, that. Uh, and then Eli and blah 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 blah. Like I really enjoyed writing it. And about halfway through yesterday, when I was writing it, I I, I DM'd Jason on Slack uh, just to like complain. Like, man, I'm writing this and I'm enjoying it, and I want to to my to my Twitter following and say, Hey, look at this fun piece I just wrote. And I know that like two thirds of my followers are going to look at it and whine because it's about the giants and then not click on it. You jerks. But yeah. Anyway. Like I, like I watched Saquon, this Saquon's first ever. Well, first of all, I went to a preseason game. I went oh, to yeah. That's preseason. Yeah. I went to giant to the giants. I think first preseason home game. It was actually against the Browns. Um, and Baker played really well in that game. Um, you kind of saw the glimpses. Saquon had a – I don't think Saquon scored in that game, if I remember correctly, but Saquon had a couple runs where you're like, all right, there he is. It'll be fine. Yep. <laughs> and, then, and then week one, they play the Jags. He shut out basically the entire game. Yeah. And then he rips off a belter of a touchdown run against probably the best defensive football um, I mean, he, like it, it was incredible. So yeah, Saquon <laughs> is what Saquon is. And it's funny because Saquon is still this home run hit or miss back behind a terrible offensive line. Yes. That, like this it, is very familiar for him. Yeah. Like, like he, he knows what to do here. This is, <laughs> this is his comfort zone. No, it was, it was like, the, especially the game against the Panthers the other day. Um, noted NFL podcast, podcast ain't played him, buddy. Um, oh, you, he, you thought, you thought because Godfrey was gone, you weren't going to get NFL stuff. Oh no. Yeah. Wow. No Jack. It was, Super. um, what was his, his final line was like 15 carries for 48 yards. Um, that's bad. And it included a 30 yarder and it also included a 57 yard touchdown pass from Odell Beck. Um, it was it was a very Saquon day. Uh, but as just to summarize that whole Giants conversation right there, their offense isn't their problem. Their defense is really bad. All right, tasty menu. Do it. We have uh, this is of course this would happen when Godfrey's out. We have a Thursday night game that could actually be interesting. Yeah, I am gonna be on a plane during this, which is a little bit. Well, the funny thing is, I'm gonna I'm gonna be on a plane, and I will probably land, and this game will be in like the second quarter. So, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. No, you've got time. You, you're not gonna. If you miss some, you're still you got plenty more to catch. Um, yes, T- Texas Tech at TCU uh, at 6:30 p.m. Central Time, God Time Zone on Ooh. ESPN. Okay, uh, okay. You've got an Eastern Time Zone person on this podcast. East Coast stands. I just want to let you know, you have a brother in arms in the East Coast time 
dependency folks. And Godfrey's actually on the East Coast as well right now. But uh, screw both of you. This is still podcast ain't played nobody. We might talk about the NFL now, but we're not leaving the Central Time Zone. Um, yeah, it, this the, here's why this game is interesting. I mean, it's interesting because it's Texas Tech TCU and it's it could be nutty. Um, but also, I wrote a piece yesterday uh, projecting out the Big Twelve, and basically, we probably have a three-team race in the Big 12, West Virginia, Oklahoma, and Texas. That all, that's all fine. That all makes sense. Um, you know, West Virginia and Texas are both 3-0. and Oklahoma's 2-1 and and still the best-rated team in the conference. And, and, you know, they've got a good defensive coordinator now. Um, so, you know, that, that could work out just fine for OU. But chances are the, the two teams in the Big 12 title game will come from that little pool of three teams. Fine. Texas Tech uh, is still only 1-1. They did lose at West Virginia, which could hurt in a tiebreaker scenario, but they've beaten, they've won at Oklahoma State by 24 points. They are up to 28th in, uh, in overall S&P Plus. They, of course, are doing that despite being a 101 on defense because, you know, Texas Tech. But uh, if they survive TCU, if they can figure out a way past them tonight, and they are a seven-point underdog, but only a one-point projected underdog uh, via S&P Plus, they get Kansas next week. Then they get Iowa State, which uh, is, of course, going to be tricky, but it's it's certainly winnable. Um, they that if they can sweep that little series, they are then four and one in conference play. Next two weeks, Oklahoma at home, Texas at home. Texas Tech is your key to outright chaos in the Big 12, and I cannot think of a better That's chaos agent. Intended. That, that, this is Texas Tech's role in life, and they have a chance to not only – I mean, obviously, if they, they could still beat Oklahoma and Texas, or that, and that could swing the race in one way, but they could do all that and also be involved in the race if they win the next three games. So go freaking Red Raiders. I wonder I, – I don't I, – I don't know what – I don't know what Cliff Kingsbury – is or what, <laughs> what his tenure is. like i don't know i yeah. i think that you guys a couple of weeks back you guys were talking about how cliff you know probably won't go to the nfl like cliff might just go, well, he's so young that i don't know he might just go be a quarterback's coach for a couple of years and then be an oc again and right. then be head coach again like it, it'll probably work out that way um but i just i don't know what the I don't know what Cliff has to do to keep his job. I don't know what Cliff has to do to get fired. I don't know what Cliff has to do for it to be success. I don't have a barometer of what Cliff Kingsbury's success is at Texas Tech because coming into the season, we were like, shit, that off- or that defense might be better, you know, yeah. might be passable, but it's not. So it's the same Texas Tech team that it's been for a decade and a half. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's the same Texas Tech team that has been since he played there. Um, and and then they might cause chaos. Like, let's say they beat Oklahoma, or mm-hmm. let's say they beat West Virginia, or they and they derail somebody. They beat Texas. What? How do you assess what this is? I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I would assume – uh, well, I would assume a they're not going to play in the Big Twelve title game. I will keep hope alive until it's, it's until it's dead. But um, I would assume that he does enough to keep his job this year for sure. For sure. I mean, right now they're projected to finish about seven and three, better chance at eight and four than six and six. Uh, and that's certainly. I mean, that should always keep you your job um, unless you're locking a concussed player in a room and his dad's important and blah 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 blah. Um, 
I would assume that he then you know he gets to, he continues to move forward, and it's fascinating to think like yeah we th- we thought this might be a little different. They're going to be so young on offense uh, that they might regress a little bit. They're going to be they're more experienced than normal on defense. Maybe they they take another step forward. Uh, instead, it's extremely Texas Tech, but they are number six in offensive S and P plus, and they are number six in offensive S and P plus with a freshman quarterback, uh, with a freshman running back, with a couple of freshmen and sophomores playing key roles in the receiving core. Um, like it's it's possible that uh you know that Alan Bowman that uh Tajon Henry at running back that uh, like Kashawn Carter TJ Vasher the young receivers uh they could take the offense to at least back to like the Mahomes level uh of quality and so like they 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 might be in an area here where they could could rip off a like a seven a run of seven and five or eight and four seasons instead of like five and seven six and six seasons. Uh, a that should always keep you your job at Texas Tech, but but the, also that allows him another opportunity to find some recruiting, uh, some sort of groundswell in recruiting. Although that hasn't you know that's probably doubtful. He's probably going to sign who he's going to sign. But no, I, but bottom line here, I'm rambling, but I, I think there might be a chance for a, for a second life and an evolution for him. Um, even if we probably, even if there's no such thing as evolution, he's going to get it. He's going to be exactly what he has been. We'll see that that's on the table too. Uh, all right. The rest of the, th- of the pre Saturday schedule on Thursday at the same time as Texas tech TCU on commercial breaks, you can go watch, uh, on ESPNU. You've got Georgia Southern at Texas state also six thirty PM. Um, <laughs> uh, Georgia Southern surprisingly good, by the way, they are involved in the Sunbelt race. Uh, Texas tech or Texas state is not surprisingly good. Uh, Friday, October 12th, 6 PM central time ESPN plus Holy cross at Harvard. Uh, <laughs> probably, probably not going to do much against Harvard, but, um, you also at six o'clock, you've got USF at Tulsa, the ranked USF. That was news to me, uh, when I was putting together the picks oh, for this morning. I- Honestly, USF's good. Yeah. Like what they are. You like USF is again heading headlong into an incredible I four war Hell against yeah. UF, uh Thanksgiving. I think Black Friday this year. Yeah, they are tw- <laughs> up to twenty seventh in uh, in S and P. They have a three percent chance of of, get, of getting to twelve and zero. Um, and they, they, I think the Blake Barnett story is uh, the Blake Barnett story is very interesting. Um, you know. It's, Comes out of high school, out shit, goes to oh, I'm supposed to say earmuffs, am I? Aren't I? Um, earmuffs, post hominously. Um, comes out of Alabama, or comes out of high school, uh, being the hot thing. Um, goes to Alabama, it doesn't work out. It was like Sims. He goes to Arizona State. Um, you know, I was out in Arizona State in February. The people at Arizona State said it didn't really go well there for reasons. <laughs> um, some reasons that even Blake Barnett will cop to apparently. Um, of just, you know, he, he's, he was somebody who I think thought he should have been big man on campus. And mm-hmm. I, and I, you know, I don't want to pick on a, on a college kid or a beleaguer college kid, but I, you know, I think there was some, um, some mental recalibration for him, some, you know, humility, so to speak, quote unquote, that maybe he had to embrace. Um, you know, now I think he's got, I think he's married. I think he might have a kid or maybe that's Will Greer. Maybe I'm getting that confused. Uh, yeah, it's definitely Will Greer, but maybe him too. I don't know. Okay. I know that they're, I know that he's married now. Okay. <laughs> um, and he's at USF and I, they're, they're getting the best out of him. They, they are getting out of Blake Barnett, what you, or what Arizona state couldn't and what Alabama couldn't, um, you know, 
I, I, you know, I talked to somebody on USF staff and, and they feel the same way. They feel that they are getting the best version or have gotten the best version of Blake Barnett. So good for you, USF. I have a yeah. soft spot that's, a, that's a reboot backfield, actually. Barnett has completed 65% of his passes. Um, and, and they are, let's see, what are they? 31st in offensive S&P Plus. But next to him in the backfield, Jordan Cronkright. Jordan Cronkright. Who is averaging 8.8 yards per carry uh, and, and is on pace for, for probably 13, 1,400 rushing yards. Uh, former Florida running back, Jordan Cronkright. So uh, a nice redemption story all the way around there. But no, yeah, they I, are. I didn't even, I didn't even realize um, that Cronkright went to USF, which is wild. I, I saw him like week two or whatever. I watched that game and they were like crunk right off the right edge. Is this his brother? Yeah. Um, but no, they are, they, I mean, Tulsa is, as I always say, an endurance test, if nothing else, uh, but they are on pace. They are projected basically to play three relative toss ups before central Florida, Houston, uh, in week nine, uh, at Cincy in week 11, uh, and then temple in week 12, all three of those are good teams. Uh, so they got play and they're all three on the road. So they're probably not going to get to 12 and zero, but they are a dangerous team and they could make things very fun down the stretch. All right, we got to hurry up. Uh, eight o'clock on Friday evening, air force at San Diego state, uh, two teams that had very good weeks last week. And then at nine o'clock on ESPN, Arizona at Utah, Utah. Well, technically both of these teams are still involved in the PAC 12 South race because somebody's going to have to win the PAC 12 South. Dear uh, God. So then we go to Saturday. Um, I have not, this is fun. I have not even I, I looked at this slate or where things fall. So this is going to be, you know, new to me. Uh, I am, yeah, I'm actually just looking at it. Honestly, man, I, I am looking at Tennessee at Auburn, if 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 there is a time for Tennessee to for one glorious stretch of sixty minutes put something together, not shoot themselves in the foot and <laughs> beat somebody, it's Saturday. Yeah, Auburn's Auburn's obviously got a very good defense, and Tennessee has a bad offense, but they are vulnerable. Obviously, um, all right. Uh, Saturday, October thirteenth, uh, eleven a.m. Central Time. Akron at Buffalo. Buffalo, I swear, has played every game this year on CBS Sports. Uh, that's but that's fine because Buffalo is fun. Uh, Florida at Vanderbilt on ESPN. We're going to skip Whatever. right over that. Uh, Iowa at Indiana on ESPN2. Minnesota at Ohio State on FS1. Nor- Nebraska at-, at Northwestern on ABC. Oklahoma State at Kansas State uh, at poor, poor Kansas State on ESPNU. Rutgers at Maryland on BTN. Oh, uh, brief pause. You want to talk about ugly. Poor, poor Kansas State. You want to yeah. talk about an ugly situation in December, yeah. coaching turnover, da 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 yeah, put a pin in in Manhattan. Yeah, um, the rumors, the internet rumors of uh, the athletic director has has quietly reached out to so and so and so and so has begun. Um, whether whether there's even one single little ounce of truth to any of it, it's out there, and it's going to be that way. Uh, it is going to be an ugly he should retire kind of situation, um, and we'll. We'll see. We'll see. They are bad this year. Um, maybe they won't be bad if he comes back, but they are bad this year, and that's usually the time. That's what usually when the vultures begin to to circle. Um, Rutgers at Maryland, eleven a.m. on BTN. Tennessee at Auburn on SEC Network, as mentioned. Duke at Georgia Tech on the weird old ACC Network. Watch ESPN uh, local television thing. Apparently, it's also on Stadium. So. You got that option. Uh, yeah, yeah. I actually saw an ad, a banner ad for like the ESPN ACC network on Saturday, I think, during like the Notre Dame game. Very so strange. Start, 
very strange timing. Yeah, very strange timing on that one, uh, considering the marketplace. Uh, that's at 11.20. Also at 11.30, Louisville at Boston College on the same whatever. Uh, this one's on FS Go and Watch ESPN, supposedly, according to LSUfootball.net. Um, I don't know how that works, but whatever. Uh, noon, FAMU at NCA&T, because Godfrey's not here to read the schedule. I can talk about whatever games I want. James Madison at Villanova. Uh, so uh, FAMU in, uh, at A&T is on ESPN Extra or ESPN3 or whatever. JMU wow, Villanova is JMU Villanova is local. Uh, and then we get to a bunch of we, – uh, yeah, we got that's, – that's pretty much it until 1.30, so we'll stop there. What game are you watching in the morning uh, – shift oh you mean the noon shift um honestly i was I, that's why i brought up tennessee at auburn like yeah. i am that that intrigues me um t- tennessee god this is gonna sound weird okay i if if nothing else jeremy pruitt is showing on defense that there is some semblance of maybe kind of proof of concept mm-hmm. especially if you watch against georgia the way that they, the way that that defense flies around, honestly, honestly, um, no tongue in cheek. Like Tennessee's defense can do some things, and Auburn's offense cannot do its most foundational tenant, which is run the ball. Um, Auburn cannot. Auburn, I, I, me and Alex Kirster broke down Auburn's run game struggles. Basically, TLDR, it's as bad as it's ever been under Gus Malzahn, mm. they can't run their basic play, which is power. Yeah. Their center really struggles to block back after their left guard pulls. It, it's tough sledding, and I think Tennessee maybe can exploit that. Um, Duke Georgia Tech, I'm interested in Georgia Tech because I like looking at a dead body or maybe a body that's dying. Um, you say that, them. you say that, but guess yeah, who just scored 60 billion points the other day? Guess who has scored 129 points in two games? Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. My stars. Um, Pitt Notre Dame might be funny. Um, we'll see. Oh, no, no, that's 130. We, we, I, I didn't include that one, although I got to include oh, it somewhere. It's me. right in the excuse middle. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and, and Louisville Boston College is kind of the similar vein. Um, yeah. Can Boston College put the hammer down on a team that it may very well be demonstrably better than we'll see uh the one uh, yeah I, I i this is a very much a uh just keep the remote in your hand at all times uh shift and and just go wherever is interesting because who because it's really hard to say even if tennessee auburn is interesting it's not really going to be in, like aesthetically interesting necessarily but uh i will p- point out like new coach in nebraska so we'll see but nebraska at northwestern uh is pretty much uh, over the last five six seven years has been the most likely game to to come down to the final play uh so you at least might have a fourth quarter to watch there especially since northwestern tends to make things uh tends to build leads and then make things very interesting in the fourth quarter as a rule anyway uh so that one could just be weird because of the helmets on the field but no this is i i have no i have no specific recommendation here this is a flip around duke duke towards attack has been weird at times as well so um if you can find it keep that one in your rotation all right 130 is indeed pit at notre dame uh put pit in etc um Fate says they will win this game, but but that's really the only reason you can think of to watch is in case this is the upset. Otherwise, Notre Dame is a much, much better team. Uh, so we'll see if fate can uh, do anything there. 2.30 uh, on ESPNU. We always start with ESPNU in this order for some reason. Army takes on San Jose State. S- moving right along. ESP- oh, God, ESPN has Baylor at Texas. Um, hmm. 
Friend of the show, Adam Amin, has that game. Okay, well, there you go. And uh, this is, as I wrote on Saturday after they beat Oklahoma, this is like kind of the ultimate test for Texas. Like, congratulations. You have definitely figured out how to play well against good teams. Now play well against everybody else, too, if you really yeah. want to be a top-10 team. Uh, let's see. We've got CBS. Obviously, this is the the headline game of the week in terms of rankings. Georgia at LSU. Georgia's season begins, if it hasn't already. Um, and and that'll be, you know, our nice rock-bashing test. 2.30 on BTN, Michigan State at Penn State. This is, I, I hate trying to make any predictions at all about Michigan State. I can go on and on about how they've been very underwhelming this year. But guess what? Now they're playing either Penn State, Michigan, or, Michigan, or Ohio State, so they'll probably play really well. Um, 2.30 on FS1, Purdue at Illinois. Huh. 2.30 uh, on CBS Sports, uh, Temple at Navy. Navy really probably needs to start playing well if they want to bowl. Uh, SEC Network has Texas A&M at South Carolina. ABC and ESPN2, uh, one or the other. We'll see which one you get. But US, UCF at Memphis will be on one, and Washington at Oregon will be on the other. Three o'clock. Uh, New Mexico at Colorado State on, on the good old MWC video. Yeah, and, I don't know what that means. Yeah, we'll stop there. Um, like, if you're in the Rockies, you can definitely find that game. Otherwise, probably not. Uh, you don't want to anyway, because uh, let's see. So, in, in terms of raw entertainment value, like, okay, let's put it this way: if Georgia at LSU is another like 20 to 19 style, you know, just bashing rocks together game, then the best thing you can do in commercial breaks or for however whatever periods of time is flip over to UCF Memphis because that thing is going to be nuts. Yeah, that is going to be a belter of a game. I cannot, uh, I cannot wait for that. Um, I am looking at a couple games. Temple at Navy, because yeah. uh, I'm not really sure what Navy is this year. Maybe you can tell me about that. I don't know if Navy is a. I don't know what this Navy team is. Yeah, they're um, not. They're really not much of anything. Strangely, I mean, they beat Memphis. They did have that weird, like two percent post game win expectancy win over uh, over Memphis, and they beat Lehigh. But they got they got stomped by Hawaii despite playing good offense. They got stomped by Air Force with no offense. Um, and they are they are they are two and three, and they are projected favorites in just one game the rest of the way. Uh, so they've got some ground to make up, but I mean they are still noted. Uh, they they are still Navy. Uh, Malcolm Perry is still very fun at quarterback. They could easily pick things up, but they have to. They they have dug themselves a hole. I'm also looking at Penn State, Michigan State for very very serious monetary reasons. Um, <laughs> let's just say sports gambling. Oh legal. God, why are you betting on that it's game? Not oh. Legal in New York, but it is legal very close to New York. Um, Michigan State, or excuse me, I should say Penn State, 13 and a half point favorite over Michigan State. I am seriously considering, Bill, seriously considering it. Talk me into it or out of it. Betting on Penn State. I mean, the talk you out of a thing would just be like never bet on them in a Michigan State game because what the hell? I mean, like, what you know. Anything can happen because they'll dumb the game down and they'll complete some third and nine passes and, and, and accidentally win. But on, I mean, on paper, Penn State is projected to win by almost 15 uh, there. So they are projected to cover and that's terrifying. Yeah. They, uh, what is it? What does S&P say? 15? Yeah. 15, 14.7. Um, okay. So S&P says 15. The line's 13 and a half. I like Penn State. I think Penn State's I think Penn State is good, which is not a weird thing to say. Um, I think Michigan State is bad. But then, you know, it's Michigan State. So. <laughs> 
they're they're good and bad in all the ways. Michigan State is always good and bad. They're just it's you know different degrees. Like now instead of having a bad run game, they have a really bad run game. Uh, and instead of having a good run defense, they have maybe the best run defense in the country. Uh, so it is kind of extreme in that regard, but I assume Trace McSorley is going to find enough success for them to win comfortably, except then, you know, it's the freaking Michigan State wild card. Yeah, no, I, I can never bet on a Michigan State game. I would just be, uh, I, you know, I'd have to break out the Zantac or whatever. Uh, let's see. Where'd we go? Uh, so, okay, so that's my my recommendation is, you know, Georgia LSU is clearly the, 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 the game of most magnitude, uh, but, you know, Washington, Oregon, you know, DVR Washington, Oregon, because um, – Maybe Washington's defense is too good, and that becomes just the typical 24-17 kind of Washington win. But uh, Oregon is a lot of fun, and um, that could shake up the Pac-12 race a lot if they get a big home win. I will probably be forced uh, against my better judgment to watch Washington, Oregon, given the fact that I watch (laughs) with an Oregon fan every week, our good friend Dan Rubenstein. So I will probably be forced to watch that against my better judgment yeah well and it is i mean it's gonna be a quality uh washington state games really aren't all that much fun this year uh but it is going to be a love a, a certain level of quality but um you know it's it, it's it's washington has basically created sec football in the pacific northwest uh and that that's you know for quality purposes that's good other purposes not so much uh, moving on to the evening SEC shift football in more ways than just on the field we'll see that. <laughs> yeah yeah um Oh yeah, this is our weekly, our 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 our, our once per show plea. Uh, let us in, Washington. We will we will write good things. We will write very interesting things about your program. Just you have to let us in the door. Um, Six p.m. on CBS Sports. You've got Houston at East Carolina. Ooh, uh, on ESPN two, you've got Miami at Virginia. That is another um, kind of chaos, chaos unlocking game right now. Miami is very much in control of the coastal, but if they were to lose to say a Virginia on the road, uh, things get really weird really fast. Uh, with Virginia, if Duke wins, then Duke's right there. Virginia Tech's right there. A whole bunch of teams are waiting to pounce on on chaos if Miami does slip up. But Miami is also better than everybody, so maybe they don't. Uh, 6 p.m. on ESPN. Finally, Missouri gets on freaking ESPN, and it's at Alabama. Uh, Pac-12 Network, UCLA at California. Uh, I guess if nothing else, we get to find out if UCLA's if they, that little spark that they of life that they showed last week is the start of something, or if it was just a spark. Uh, 6 p.m. on ESPNU, Virginia Tech at North Carolina. 6 p.m. on FS1, West Virginia at Iowa State. 6:30, Ole Miss at Arkansas on SEC Network, and Wisconsin, Michigan uh, on ABC, and that's it. That's it's like I it feels like we usually have about four more games on this list, but that's it for these. There are there are no seven o'clock kickoffs. It's all six and six thirty. Um, that the I last or last week I had the same thing. It was like ten thirty, and I was like, I feel like there should be more going on right now. Yeah. Um, but that's uh, I mean, obviously the headliner here is Wisconsin, Michigan. Uh Wisconsin uh should benefit from the curse of the number five SP plus team. Uh Michigan's back up to number five, therefore they will stink this week. Uh, but otherwise that will be, I mean, it's going to be big, it's going to be hardcore big 10 football, obviously, but we do get to find out, uh, that this is going to be the best test so far for Shea Patterson since the Notre Dame game. We'll find out exactly how they have evolved or not evolved, uh, in this game. They should, they should win. Wisconsin is good and Michigan state is potentially better, but, uh, you know, obviously, uh, Wisconsin is built to beat teams like, uh, Michigan style. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, I mean, Missouri-Alabama should have big plays. Alabama should have a lot, and Missouri should have a few, too. 
But are um, you uh, are you going to this game? No, no, I don't. I, I don't travel. Uh, oh, it's, oh, it's in Tuscaloosa. Okay. Yeah, it's in Tuscaloosa, and apparently this—I mean, it's homecoming. Apparently, you know, they're bringing Dixieland delight back once until oh, the, yeah. until Trust the students me. blow it again because I would be disappointed if they didn't. Um, but so it should be like a better crowd than normal. Plus, it's in the evening. It's not at eleven o'clock. It's not a thousand degrees in Tuscaloosa. You might actually have a good environment, uh, but you know, really, it's just. You know, as a Missouri fan, I'm basically just saying, like, okay, let's do the things you do well, like a little bit, like run, the, be able to run the ball on a on a semi shaky Alabama running defense. Do that a little bit. Complete a, a like, hopefully, Emmanuel Hall has two healthy hamstrings and can run a go route again, so you can complete at least one of those. Hopefully, you can slow down the run game a little bit. You're going to get destroyed by Tua, and it's just a question of whether you lose by 20 or 40. Um, but you know, just do the things you do well a little bit and, and move on. But no, I mean. I don't know. Ole Miss, Arkansas is always nutty. Uh, Hopefully it will still remain nutty with a coaching change, but otherwise you really are. This is Wisconsin, Michigan's time to shine, I think. Yeah. um, I mean, whatever. Have fun. (laughs) Like, I just, I, like, I saw that that was the Saturday night game. I saw that that was college game day game. I'm just like, okay, whatever. Um, Have fun with it. I'll probably be watching West Virginia at, oh, goodness. I'll probably be watching West Virginia at, Iowa State uh, or Colorado USC. Those are probably the two games that I'm going to be watching. Ole Miss at Arkansas could get pointsy as hell. Yeah. If Ole Miss Uh, has anything to say about it, it will, yeah. I would Uh, like to thank Hawaii for kicking off before 1 in the morning. Hey, yeah, that's true. Uh, 9.15, Um, we'll go ahead and knock that out. 9.15, it's Hawaii at BYU on ESPN2. BYU is like a 8 or 9 point favorite or something, which really threw me. Yeah. Boise State at Nevada on CBS Sports 930. At the very least, you can reminisce about 2010. Uh, Colorado, Colorado at USC, as you mentioned, is 930 on FS1. And Wyoming at Fresno State is 930 on ESPNU. That theoretically shouldn't be a very interesting game because Fresno should win it pretty handily. But you do have Colorado USC, which uh, aesthetically I'm not real sure what to, to think there. But at the very least, this is a proven ground for Colorado. They're complaining about being underrated, but they're also seven-point uh, underdogs to an unranked team. So I think we, uh, we kind of understand the situation there, but uh, between Hawaii, BYU, Colorado, USC, you should get at least one good fun game. I think. Yeah. Um, Colorado go on the road. The thing is if Colorado people, Colorado supporters, Colorado fans, if they want respect, go on the road in this yeah. game and handle business. Boom. You will. I, because the, the thing is you will skyrocket to a level of respect. You're not, maybe that team isn't ready for because it's USC because the casual, when the casual fans see Colorado beat USC by two scores, I mean, that is something that is going to pain. So you want respect beat the hell out of USC, no matter what USC team it is. Yeah. I think USC is starting to get its act together, but uh, Colorado will have a chance. Also, we, at the top of the show, we talked about power fives that make it tenuous. I don't think it happens this year, but if USC messes around and loses four games this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thought about mentioning that, but I'm not, I'm not there yet, but yeah, it's not going to take much to get there. Um, no, they should. They're favored in five of the next six. They're, they're slight underdogs at Utah. They, they have more than an, enough opportunity here to get there, to get themselves going, but it's not a guarantee that they're going to get themselves going. Uh, let's see. I'm scrolling through the leftovers in the, in the bin, the discount bin. Isn't that what Godfrey calls it? Um, UCLA Cal. Cal might get medieval on that ass. <laughs> well, yeah, like that's yeah the uh, back at the six o'clock. Yeah, that is a, uh, 
<laughs> a game that will be happening, uh, and I don't really know what to think about it. Although, I mean, USC, UC, oh, excuse me, UCLA did have a little spark at least last week. Uh, man, the discount bin is uh, very, very, very on clearance this week. Uh, well, and, and on the old BN at uh, 6.30 p.m. Central Time, you've got, uh, I don't know, New Conference USA favorite Middle Tennessee at FIU. Uh, that's always for whatever reason they put the the BN games in the in the discount pile, but that is a game that is on your television. Uh, Twelve noon on ESPN Plus. Brown at Princeton. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'm making this happen. Uh, Youngstown State of South Dakota State. Two p.m. on ESPN Plus. Man, this is I have like now's the time if you haven't taken your free trial for ESPN Plus. It does seem like the next couple of weeks uh, there's a lot of I'm not going to say thrillers. But, um, you know, semi-interesting uh, if you just like, you know, competitive football. Oh, and on the, on the old Facebook video, there's UNLV at Utah State. Another chance to watch Utah State, if nothing else, at, at, uh, at 3 p.m. But I think, that's, I think that's the menu right there. This is not uh, an amazing week, I would say, of the top teams. Obviously, Georgia is the one that has the biggest challenge. That goes without saying, pretty much. Uh, but we will start to learn. Georgia has maybe coasted by a little bit, but they don't get to anymore, and they might be ready. They might be ready to 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 switch gears here and and really play well. We'll see. Is have we? Oh, never mind. Never mind. Um, never mind. <laughs> All right. They don't call him the best color commentator in the business for nothing, folks. Um, they sure do. Let's see. That's probably we're probably good. I think we have uh, we tried to adhere to an hour. Uh, Godfrey was not here to govern, so we did not adhere to an hour. But we're not at ninety five minutes either, so I think this is a good place to call it. Uh, thank you for Richard Johnson for stepping in. The the better younger uh, Stephen Godfrey. You can find him at RJ underscore writes W R I T E S on Twitter, and of course all the time at SB Nation. Uh, enjoy your flight. Bill, always a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Earmuffs, earmuffs, earmuffs. Fuck Notre Dame. Roll Tide. <clears throat> well, uh, I mean, you don't have to do it. You don't have to hit all the Godfrey notes, but all right.